1: Well, we have Chad Williards, Williardson back. Chad, I really appreciate your time again. Uh, Chad has written a new book called Smart, Not Spoiled, The Seven Money Skills Kids Most M- Must Master Before Leaving the Nest, uh, a much-needed book in today's society. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate you writing this book. I, I think we're going to dive into this a little bit. But um, if you are interested for a limited time, Chad has this book for 99 cents on Amazon. So head over there um, and I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But uh, Chad, I really appreciate your time here today.
2: I really appreciate you having me back. Thank you. It's good to be back.
1: So give us a breakdown. What made you write this book?
2: This book came from a place of need, in my opinion, that we just, it's a topic, you know, personal finance just is not really taught to children in school. And most often, parents have a difficult time knowing where to start. And so, the, the feelings I had about this as a father of five and wanting to teach my kids about money and how to be smart, but also the, the general feeling that I get that most people feel like this younger generation is spoiled and entitled. And expects a lot more, a lot quicker than what we had growing up. A lot of that has to do with technology and seeing what's available. But I believe that we can do a better job at teaching kids to be smart with money, and so that's that's why I wrote this book.
1: Yeah, you know, so um, we'll we'll kind of dive a little bit into these seven uh, rules that you have here. But before you, before we do going through the introduction. I even noticed something that caught my eye. It says that you're trying to break the cycle. What cycle are you talking about there?
2: Just the cycle of money essentially being completely naive or unprepared that you know, the people pass down those habits, and money mindsets to the next generation. And so I'm trying to help people break that cycle where money is finally going to be a comfortable conversation topic at the home. At the kitchen table, you know, people will be comfortable talking to their parents and asking financial questions. And kids, even in in middle school or younger, will have a little bit of a sense of what money is and how to earn it and what it means. And so, that's a cycle that we need to break. That one of the studies I cited in the book shows that parents are more comfortable talking to their kids about drugs and sex than than money. And for some reason, money is just like a taboo subject. And so, my goal is really to help it become more comfortable and more productive, and hopefully, something that can teach these kids to be prepared for their future, more financially thoughtful, you know, thoughtful and prepared to be successful instead of just throwing them out there at age 18 and hoping they figure it out.
1: Well, I I was hoping that we could cover some of these seven skills, uh, if that sounds good to you, unless you wanted to dive a little deeper on on a different uh, approach to this.
2: No, no, we can go into some of those for sure.
1: For sure. sure. So the one of them is that I think we all have heard this, but uh, it's interesting how it's ignored, invest early and often.
2: Right. That's to me, that's, Got to, that's why it's, there's a reason it's chapter one invest early and often. It's teaching the kids of starting when they're younger. I think we can do a lot of great things to involve kids in learning how to invest or what investing is. I, I share some analogies and stories in the book. Um, there's a chart that shows the power of compounding. And I, I tell a story about a conversation I overheard between a, I think, a 10 year old child and his father. And he asked his dad, he said, would you rather receive $100,000 every day, $100,000 every day for one month, or a penny today that doubles in value every day for one month? And the, the father's answer was $100,000 every day. That's over $3 million. And the kid said, wrong, dad. That's not the right answer. You could have had over $5 million if you chose the penny option instead he didn't believe it of course and so his son got his phone calculator out and showed him of course that that simple riddle of doubling your money every day it's not realistic but the point is compound interest and compound growth is very powerful and so if you can show if you can show a young person that even investing or saving $50 a month could grow to significant amounts in their future, it might motivate them to be, to begin a little bit earlier in life. And you know, I'd rather have kids make mistakes investing really small amounts in their teens than make big mistakes in their 50s and 60s as they're preparing for retirement. So the more they can learn by experience in the beginning, learn by doing, the better.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't know if they did the, do this anymore, but when I remember being in high school, we used to have this, uh, I think it happened my junior and senior year where we would even take a fictitious amount of money and, and have to research the stock market and a few other things and actually see how our portfolios compared towards the end of the semester. I don't know if they yeah. do that type of thing anymore.
2: I don't know. I have two kids in high school and I have not heard an assignment like that, but that would be a great exercise for sure.
1: So the other thing is borrow wisely. Um, mm-hmm. This is especially interesting because uh, Apple, of course, announced their their new lineup uh, just this week. So everybody's probably uh, all excited about the new iPhones and everything. And uh, let's get that put on the credit card, right? <laughs>
2: Yes. I, I talked a little bit about good debt versus bad debt. And there are a lot of different ways to look at debt. I have some clients who are very much into using debt and using leverage and borrowing to grow their wealth. And, and others are very anti-debt and they don't, they don't ever want to have debt. So if they buy a house, they're going to pay cash. If they buy a car, they're going to pay cash. And so my, my take is more balanced than somewhere in the middle. I think it's not reasonable to say borrowing is terrible and you should never borrow. On the flip side, you have to be responsible. And so people who are buying everything on credit cards, but never not paying those bills, they're just paying minimum payments, they're going to end up with a significant hole to dig out of. And so the the chapter really goes into some, some ways that you can help teach your kids about how to be smart with debt, the different types of debt, whom to borrow from, what the rates might be. We, we captured rates as of today and what they're like. And uh, just really understanding what it means when you borrow money. What it, what does it do to the cost of your transaction? So I think kids understanding a little bit about borrowing at a young age is really healthy for them. Because when they turn 18, they're going to get student loan solicitations and credit card solicitations immediately. Like They're on those marketing lists or on the radar. So let's Let's at least prepare them and have these conversations first before they're just thrown out into the
1: world. Right. So the the next one is know their f- cash flow. Uh, that sounds suspiciously like uh, trying to teach them how to to create a budget.
2: <laughs> we don't use the B word, but yes, it is <laughs> it is very much like that. Yeah. Um, knowing their cash flow, and I, I like to use the phrase "cash flow" because it's a financial term that. I think it's good for kids to learn the actual terminology so it's not so foreign when they grow up. But yes, we talk about involving them in in a little bit of the family planning process. Now, some parents feel like, well, I'm not not telling my kids about money that's private. It's confidential. They don't need to know anything. Um, I, I would say you don't need to share your income. You don't need to share your net worth. But you certainly can share the cost of things that you're buying as a family. I don't think there's any harm in discussing the cost of the groceries or the cost of utilities or rent or mortgage payments. So I think involving them in in keeping track of some expenses or maybe helping them do a comparison shop exercise for a big purchase in the family. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe you're buying a fridge or a TV or something. Have them do some comparison shopping. Have them understand the difference between... Prices and expenses, and and just get their feet wet. Even at a young age, kids can understand. Um, if they don't, they're not going to understand how much their lifestyle costs, and frankly, they won't have much appreciation for it because they they simply have no idea how much you're spending on them as as their parents. So I, th- I think this is an important topic to involve them in for sure.
1: Yeah. So the the next one you had is talking taxes. And, and this is kind of goes, hits a little closer to home for, for me because my daughter started her first job this summer. There you go. And, uh, so that was their first experience with taxes.
2: So she got a paycheck and it wasn't the full amount that she thought she was getting paid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so one exercise I have in there is just reviewing a sample paycheck with your kids. You know, you can go online and just Google a sample pay stub and review the different taxes and withholdings. Uh, people don't realize this, but taxes is your number one expense, more than your rent or your mortgage. If you consider income tax and sales tax and all the other taxes we pay, there's something to to be reckoned with. So you need to really have those conversations and. One thing I like to do when we go out to eat as a family is I like to take a delicious bite of all of my kids' meals before they start.
1: <laughs> and I say,
2: kids, that's that's taxes right there. So you're just paying your dad tax.
1: Yeah, <laughs> dad tax. Yeah.
2: They're, all, they're all used to it by now. Um, and I get to sample some delicious varieties of meals that I'm not ordering. So um, um, with a teenager, maybe a junior, or senior in high school, I'd suggest you go over a simple... Form 1040 tax return. And just you may not know exactly how to teach that yourself, but online there's there's a lot of YouTube videos. There's I have some resources on my website. That's uh, pacificcapitals.com slash smart not spoiled. You can go there. But I think teaching them a little bit about the actual process of filing taxes is important. Cause like you said, your daughter got her first job she's going to have to file taxes. Okay. And so Mm -hmm. people need to learn a little bit about what this will be like when they're older and you can really set them up to be smart at a younger age than, than basically what we're doing these days.
1: Right. Yeah. And then, you know, if, if they actually get anything back in their taxes, what to do with it?
2: True. Good point. Yeah. What it it means I wrote in there, what it means to get a tax refund, what it means to owe money. So
1: yeah, because I just I just know historically a lot of the people that I know around me most of most of the ones that I can think of they're out spending it on the next gadget or, or something instead of doing. Something yeah, they look
2: else at it. it like it's free money. It's a windfall of a bonus or something that's brand new. When really, when I say in the book, it's like if you get a refund, that just means you overpaid last year. It just means you didn't properly estimate what you would owe. And so if you need more money in your monthly budget or your monthly lifestyle expenses, you could change how much in your taxes is withheld each year, each month, each pay period. Mm -hmm. So I talk a little bit about teaching your kids because there's so much marketing around these big companies that say, we can get you a good refund if you use us for your taxes. But um. Sometimes we misunderstand what that means. So
1: Right. So the next one was Learning to Earn.
2: Learning to Earn. What do you think about that title? What does yeah. that mean?
1: Well, I, I think it sounds very rich dad, poor dad. Hmm. You know, the the concept of uh looking looking, maybe looking for some of those opportunities around you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my wife and I do not pay an allowance. We never have, and I talk about learning to earn, learning to be valuable, learning to look for opportunities to earn money. So I I never felt that paying my kids each weekend because they survived another week was like a good training ground for the real world. So right. uh, I'd like to pay them for doing work, and not just for breathing. So we we have a a list, basically a menu of opportunities that they can choose from each day and they can do the work that they want to do and they'll be paid based on how much work they do. So they, they can correlate their own efforts and their work with what they earn. I believe that's a better training mentality for, uh, for the real world and their future. So I give a few examples of how we've had our kids initiate, Ways to earn money around the house rather than just say, here's your allowance because you're this year's old. And on Saturday, we give you this much money. You know, that to me isn't, is kind of a, it's very common, but it's to me, it's not productive.
1: Right. You know, this, this is very old school to a certain extent. My, my family, we, we watch a lot of the old black and white TV shows. You know, Andy awesome. Griffith is one of them, for example. And uh, that's a recurring theme in there. Is you know Mm -hmm. Opie has to has to earn his allowance, and some rich kid in the neighborhood uh, is like, "Why are you doing? Why are you cleaning out the garage?" You know, it's (laughs) it's kind of interesting to watch to see that, and I I I I I can't believe that's still an kind of seen today as an old school thought.
2: Right, right. It shouldn't be for sure. If you want kids to be smart, not spoiled, then they've got to learn to work. Um, our kids, you know, my youngest is six and my oldest is almost 17. We've got three in the middle. So there's five kids. When they have a birthday party invitation or around the holidays, they might have a Christmas gift exchange event that they're going to. They are going to pay for their own gifts. Mom and The bank of mom and dad are not funding all these birthday gifts. So... Uh, they've got to go, they've got to figure out a way to earn some money and then they've got to go pick out the gift and buy it. And, and that's what they're going to take. And I think they appreciate that more and maybe they're not going to say yes to 10 different parties in one month because they realize, wow, this is very expensive. But if we don't teach them to appreciate money or time, then they're going to grow up having a, a skewed sense of reality once they leave the house.
1: You know, I, I didn't actually expect this. Um, you know, this was the one of the benefits of my daughter getting getting her first job. Um, all of a sudden, she and it was almost instantaneous. She has become far more selective on what she spends her money on. Interesting. So, and yeah, because she see sees
2: it. that It's not. It's not just free money. She has to actually put in effort and time to earn it. So it's
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's valued differently.
1: So, so another thing that I think is interesting that you bring up in, in your next one is, is something that I think we, we really are missing the concept of protecting who and what you care about the -hmm. concept of not saving a little, little money or putting a little money aside for emergencies. Doesn't seem to be, that seems to be the credit card again.
2: Sure. Yeah. It's, it's the mentality today is really you only live once it's that yolo mentality of like you know we'll, we'll figure it out later just live in the moment but i've seen just two in my profession in the last 19 years i've seen too many instances where people were careless families were unprepared and when the emergency happens it's too late it's too late to prepare so i just give a few examples and stories and ideas to teach your kids about being prepared and really doing things ahead of time to show that you care for those people in your life that matter, you know, your family. So you, as you can see in the last two years, the world is unpredictable Mm -hmm. and you don't, we had, yeah, we had businesses shut down. We had people laid off. People couldn't go to work and those who were prepared were able to get through that and hopefully are still getting through that. But many people were not Many people were spending every penny they had and borrowing to fund lifestyle need or wants essentially. And when the emergency happened, it was it was a big bigger problem for those people. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: I just encourage families to have those conversations about being prepared for the what ifs in life.
1: Right. And then your last one is give generously. That's
2: yeah, it's a it's important.
1: Yeah, I I actually think, you know, it's one of those things that it's a mindset shift more than anything else is is that that concept, instead of seeing it as a cost, there's a greater reward there than than they probably realize.
2: I agree with you. I I believe the mindset of abundance would teach you and your family to be givers. And if I I believe strongly that if you teach children at a younger age to give and donate and not essentially keep everything for themselves, then they will not have a scarcity mindset. They will see opportunities. They will see abundance. They will seek to do good with their money and their resources and not just spend it on themselves and accumulate things. So the happiest people I know are people who are givers. And so in that chapter, I share a few exact specific examples of my own family and of friends or clients that have really incorporated their children in different ways of giving and I, I think I, I mean I put that last because I wanted to make sure that it was hammered home but it could have been first it, you know it's that important of a topic when it comes to financial planning and things like that you've got to be someone who's using your resources for
1: good-hmm well I, I think it's one of those things that again it's a mindset thing a lot of Unfortunately, I think there's a there's a swath of the population who rely on our taxes to yep. be that that giving avenue. That uh, in fact, uh, frankly, it, it's spent mostly on bureaucracy. It doesn't actually <laughs> it doesn't actually do what you think it's yep. doing. Yeah.
2: Yep, yeah, and we have clients who will actually involve their children in choosing local charities to give time to. So even if you can't give a lot of money, you can give time. I think that's more important with the kids. Yes, the kids can learn to give a portion of their earnings to charity. But even better, they can give a portion of their earnings and some time and effort in that charity. So if there's a, a fundraiser 5K walk or a, a cleanup at the park or something like that where the kids can get out donate a little bit of their own earned money and give some time and service that really changes the mindset. And also it provides a great experience for the family together.
1: Sure. Just to remind everybody, again, we're talking about Chad's new book. It's called smart, not spoiled. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes to take you there. Take advantage of this. It's 99 cents right now. There's some great lessons here. Uh, but before we, uh, close this out, Chad. when you uh, you you advise people regarding their finances, is this a topic that that you frequent? Like, how does these conversations go with some of these parents?
2: It's interesting. Uh, I I hear about this topic so much that it moved me to write the book. So, parents are constantly talking about how to teach their kids about money, or they don't want to spoil or ruin their kids by giving them too much or having too much. I hear that a lot as well. We recently had a client couple come in and the husband said, I don't want to pay for any of my kids college. And they had, they had a big family. And he said, my parents didn't pay for me. And I had to work jobs in college. And it really helped me appreciate college. And I learned a lot. And his wife said, excuse me, his wife said, well, my parents paid for college so I could actually focus on the experience and the studies and not be distracted by making some minimum wage earnings. And then I got a job as soon as I graduated. And so they had completely different backgrounds and mindsets around what a parent should be providing for. Mm-hmm. At the end of the discussion, they, they kind of settled on let's fully fund um, the freshman year of our children at college uh, if they choose to go to college. And they can figure out a way to earn scholarships or work part time to pay for the rest of their college. So, we all come with different money mindsets and blueprints from when we were raised as children. But I believe it's extremely healthy to have the conversation as a family and say, what should we be paying for and what should we encourage to have the responsibility on our children's shoulders? You know, and at what age is that appropriate? So, these are just conversations that we could have, and everyone everyone's going to have a different take on it, and that's fine. But my goal is to at least help you have those conversations and give you some ideas and, and activity ideas and stories that you can share that will at least kickstart those conversations in your family.
1: Yeah, and I can't stress how important this is. I mean, with everything uh, this day and age, these like you already brought up, these conversations, frankly don't happen enough, not only around the the family dinner table, but it doesn't happen in the school system.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely not. Yeah.
1: So, Chad, I really appreciate your time again. Um, Again, I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes. But before I let you go, is there a topic or a question you wished I would have asked you here today?
2: I don't think so. I think you did a great job. We covered uh, many of the highlights of the book. And I, I just. Would re emphasize that no matter what stage your kids are at. I have people buying the book whose kids are in college, and some newlyweds who have like a brand new baby or don't even have kids yet. I just think it's a way to really get your family prepared to have those conversations and really discuss what matters most in the family and shape your own financial future of the young people in your life.
1: So I can't imagine this 99 cent. Uh, deal is going to last much longer. How, how long do people have?
2: I, I think the publisher said it's for the first week. It might be two weeks. It might be one week, but it's, yes, it's a very temporary discount for sure.
1: So, Well, take advantage of that. I appreciate it again, Chad, and I hope we can chat again sometime.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it, Jack.
0: This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com rei Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.